to be grateful for. Oh, man. Bless you. Bless you. So grateful. I am grateful for this morning, for this day, to see all of you, my God's people. Man, it's, so, it's such a joy to see each of you walk in this morning with the joy of the Lord up on your hearts. I got some surprise visits, and I'm so excited about that. I'll acknowledge them a little later. But, but how many came this morning expecting to be blessed? Amen? You know, and, 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 and I don't know if you really understand how powerful um, and the significance and the role of the, of the ministry of music, what the praise team actually does. And they actually have the task, the responsibility, because when we come through those doors, all of us, none of us are on the same page. Everybody got different issues that we deal with. Someone just got a husband. Someone just lost a husband. Someone just was diagnosed with an illness or a sickness. Someone just was healed. Someone just found their dream job. And someone just lost theirs. Someone is well-fed, someone is hungry. And yet when we come into the house of the Lord, his eye is on the sparrow and he knows where each and every one of us is. And he can respond accordingly to meet your need and to satisfy your soul so that you're able to say, it is well with my soul. And so we have to understand what they do is they take a moment and an opportunity to somehow level the playing field. And no matter what we're all going through, they try to level that playing field so that we can all enter into the very presence of our Heavenly Father and worship Him there in spirit and in truth. Amen. That's a beautiful thing. And they do such a grand job of doing that. Can we give them a, a praise? Yeah. Man, I feel, I feel good. I want to thank, thank the Lord for each of you that uh, got quite a few of y'all that hold me accountable. And I appreciate it. I thank God for you. And when you say something to me, I heed your counsel. And there's quite a few of you that stay on me to make sure that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing and taking care of myself. Excuse us, I know it's a little warm in here, but we'll have you going next week. It's an act of Congress, y'all, to switch over the air from the heat to the air. And, and we struggle with it every year because, you know, our weather is so, you know, we can switch it over next week and we'll come here next Sunday and it'll be like 42. And y'all gonna have to wear some coats because once we switch it over, that's it. <laughs> it's gonna have to go all the way up to the end of the year, amen? But nonetheless, um, I'm, I'm expecting, I, I'm, in, I'm feeling pretty good. So grateful to see each of you. Let us go to our Father in prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for already what our eyes have seen, our ears have heard. So grateful for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, you've given me a message on today that in some ways is controversial. So many things happening. Baxter already touched on it in his prayer. But so many things happening around us that it becomes controversial issues, 
topics. We don't know what to say, what not to say. We're living in a time where people are very sensitive and so many things easily offends us. But you said, blessed is the man, happy is the man who does not take offense in you. So I pray that our understanding would be keen, our eyes would be open to hear from on high and to receive from you so that we can ultimately be shaped into the image and likeness of who you are. For we see now in part, but when that day comes, we'll be made like you. And we're grateful for what you're doing. Thank you for the gift and the ministry of the Holy Spirit who challenges us, but who also changes us. We give you honor, praise, in the precious name of Jesus. This is our prayer. The church said together, amen. Bless you. Let us give the Lord a praise offering. One of my, one of the difficult assignments that we have as watchmen over the body of Christ, as watchmen over the souls of men and women is oftentimes we have to discuss and talk about some things that are very controversial. I was reading an article about maybe a week or two ago, and then the article it talked about how pastors are fearful of talking about certain things within the church because of the fear they may get from lawsuits, fear that they may get from certain groups or organizations, or the fear that they may experience within their own church and among their own church family. And this is a very real thing, but how many know I ain't scared? <laughs> I ain't scared. Let me, let me go. Y'all do know I came out of the streets, right? So I got Mo back there. I got Sway. <laughs> My brother's over here. We ain't scared. <laughs> but, but I realize, y'all, that there's some things that are happening. And this morning I want to talk to you about political and corporate pressure. Political and corporate pressure that we're under. And it's a difficult thing because when we see certain things happening in the public square, we oftentimes, as the body of Christ, don't know how to respond to certain things, certain topics, certain issues. We don't know how to respond. We believe that the scripture, and the word of God, is inerrant. It is free from error. It is trustworthy to teach us with regard to conduct, with regard to morality, with regard to issues that affect us on a social level. We look to the scripture to set the record straight for us. And there are a lot of things that we've gotten away from the scripture. And if you turn to your own idea or your own opinion and you abandon scripture, then there goes your safety net. 
because God himself referred to his word. He says, look, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world, but I came that the world might be saved. He says, I don't condemn the word, the world, but there is another who condemns it already. And he talked about his very word would be the, word, the, the source that would condemn. And he said, if we don't believe in that word, then we're condemned already. So God's word is the foundation for our belief, our conduct, and our practice. And oftentimes we take hits, we take attacks for upholding that word. Not our word, not our idea, not our opinion, but his word. If Jesus referred to himself as the light of the world. John said that the light of the world came into the world and he came to his very own, but his very own did not recognize him or even receive him. He would go on and say to his disciples that, look, you are the light of the world. And what he was saying was that there is a way that you are to conduct yourself. There is a way that you are to represent me within society. And when you do that, you would show the entire world and you would give God, you would give God my, the Father glory because you would do what I say. In fact, he said that our love for him would be demonstrated through our obedience. Our love for him is not demonstrated in the fact that you come to church every Sunday. It's not demonstrated through the fact that you give your tithe. It's not demonstrated in the fact that you may go to Bible class, you go to seminary, all those things is good, but your love for your father is demonstrated through your obedience. Because you can do all those things and not obey and still miss the mark. The church historically has failed to represent Jesus Christ and that light that he wanted us to represent, we historically have failed to be the king, the priest, and prophet that we were to represent within human society. And because we fail to adequately represent Jesus Christ, it's caused a lot of problems, a lot of issues. A lot of the groups and movements that we see that are springing up is nothing merely more but protest and people who are frustrated because in some way we fail to represent what our father wanted us to represent in those different arenas. When you think about the Black Panther organization, the movement, it was a movement that represented our way as a community to fight back and deal with a lot of the social and civil injustices that we were dealing with as a people. When you think about the LGBTQ movement, 
And that's what it is, it's a movement. But if you go back to the origin of that movement, which started in the 60s, in the Stonegate area or the Stonegate community, what this was, was a, it was a sexual freedom movement. But now it's taken on a different turn. And now it's gone down a whole different road. When you think about the Me Too movement and what's happening out of that Me Too movement, a protest of women that are protesting against men who are in positions of influence, in positions of power, and they're abusing their power, their authority, to exploit women in sexual ways. When you think about, what's the other movement? The Black Lives Matter movement. All these are merely outbursts. And when you look at what they're fighting over and what they're, or what they're trying to fight for, it's answers that, is th that, that Christ has given the church to remedy. And yet when we stand up and we try to present the remedy, we experience all kind of pushback. And it's because we have not properly represented our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because guess what? He was compassionate on people. And it didn't matter what their struggle was or what their issue was, he was still compassionate on the person. He would, inter he would interact with people. He would go in different social settings whereby he could, he could demonstrate truly what God the Father was like. But as it is with us, when we don't quite understand certain things, we push back from that we don't understand. And so the church was absent or have been absent with reflecting that light because there were certain things that we didn't understand and there's certain things that we didn't want to deal with. And then once we got saved, once, you, once we got out of it, we felt like, hey, we ain't got nothing else to do with that. I'm saved. I'm good. And I've always used this analogy. Think about this. Imagine if you were drowning. Imagine if all of us, all of us was in the reservoir and we all out there drowning. Nobody can swim. Nobody got a life jacket. Nobody can swim. Everybody out there drowning. And then one of you managed to get to the shore. And then you get to the shore with your little self and you get out and you shake the water off and you look at everybody else drowning and you walk off. Imagine what that's like. And I believe that when we get to heaven, could you imagine what it's going to be like if the Lord would show us the people that we have allowed to drown? If he shows us this was one in your reach. When you got out, you could have easily grabbed them. But you were so concerned about yourself that when you got out, even though you could have reached and grabbed two, three people, you just left and you allowed them to drown. So, so the light that our Lord wanted us to exemplify, that light has been absent. Satan is the God of this world. Make no mistake about it. And his evil schemes and systems is propagated through this world system. That's why Jesus could say, love not the world, nor anything in the world. The world, the deceitfulness of riches and all of his stuff is passing away. He says, don't, look, don't build your house up on, up on something that passes away. But send up your treasure up in heaven where thieves, rust, and moth can't get to them. 
And yet, we, we put so much, we put a lot of confidence in systems that Satan himself is the Lord over. Which is why Jesus said, make no mistakes about it, the God of this world is Satan. And he says, look, my world, my, my kingdom is not of this world. He said, look, if my kingdom was of this world, he said to them, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. But as it is, here you are trying to kill me. And then in, in Ephesians, the only way that we're going to be able to deal with the wiles of the devils and the schemes of the devil is we're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to have the power of God. We're going to have to have his presence to be able to deal with the schemes of the devil. And that's why in Ephesians 6 and 10, it tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And that's your daily attire. Every day that we get up, you put on the whole armor of God. But as it is, we under political, corporate pressure. I was reading the other day where a, uh, I was reading the other day where I read an article in, in Pennsylvania, a school allows people to come in, excuse me, uh, a school allows people to come in and get on the intercon every morning and they would read certain reports, they would pray, and then they would say, um, God bless America. One man, one person didn't like God bless America. And he went to his lawyer and he, he was a part of this group called the Freedom From Religion group. One man said, I don't like it. The school district got with their attorney and completely ceased saying, God bless America. And not just in that one school, but they followed suit throughout the entire district because of the complaint of one man. And here's the question. Where, were there not any believers in that school district? Were there not any people that understand the tenets and the principles of our faith and what we believe in that could stand and can say to look, if, if it's good that we got God's presence up in this place. You don't want to know what it would look like if we didn't have his presence up in this place. But one person stood and because of, because of the voice of one person, it changed the trajectory of a whole school district. So let me ask you this. What would happen if two or three of us would come together, show enough unify, and pray? If one person can affect the whole school district, what, would, what can two or three of us do? We can affect the whole community. We can affect the whole city. We can affect the whole state if we would stand on what we believe. If we would truly be the light that our Father has called us out to be. And yes, will it be a challenge? Yes. You ain't been challenged till you start living for Jesus. That's real talk. You know, 
back in the day when we called ourselves gangbanging. I'm claiming gangster disciple. GD4. Stacking them. Then somebody would claim vice lord. Look, look, I, I might have offended somebody. Since somebody would claim vice lord, four corner hustler. And you better knew what you was talking about. Because you went on the wrong block saying some stuff. You, how many know you were going to get beat, up, beat down or get ran off? Better, you better know what you was talking about. And we would get out here and represent this stuff. And we would talk this stuff. But we would back it up. And we were willing to fight, to die, over a color. Y'all remember in 88 when Ice-T came up with some colors. Y'all remember that? We would, willing, we would be willing to fight and die over Boyd Street. That's can, y'all. Over a block. And get this, you don't even own the block. You ain't getting no revenue. You ain't getting part of the taxes. You ain't getting anything. And we would be willing to fight and lay down our life over something that was meaningless. And here's the, here's the reality. A lot of people died in that stuff. And they died, I believe, separated from God. Think about that. So how much more so now that we belong to something that is alive, that is well, that is active, something that, is, that doesn't just give us earthly significance, but something that gives us eternal significance. How much more so should we represent that? That's why I can say I ain't scared. That's real talk. We're living, y'all, in a time where the things that you believe in and the things that we want for our children, the things that we want for ourselves, is coming under attack. And if we fail to be the light, we're going to look right up and see all of the religious liberties and freedoms that we like to share and experience out the window. And we'll never know what happens. And guess what? I, want, I wish I had some good news, but it's inevitable because Jesus said that it would happen. We're part of something that's way bigger than ourselves, but we're so... We're so compartmentalized to just what's in front of us and we don't see how the devil is working and how the stage is being set for the antichrist to step on the scene even when i say certain things like that people be like oh here we go this antichrist stuff the stage is being set and when you look at what revelation says when he steps on the scene he's going to control all 10 kingdoms are going to be under his control he'll control buying and selling well you look at it now just about you can't go nowhere without spinning with a card and they're already talking about giving us a little chip and putting a chip in us that will have all of our information on it all of our banking information all of our money this stuff has been going on for years wake up smell the coffee it's real stuff and then you look at it you get to a point where you won't even be able to fight it but it's going to happen and Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, look up for your redemption draws nigh. This is what we're dealing with, y'all. I know that sounds sci-fi, doesn't it? Hollywood is smarter than you think if you watch some of the movies.